welcome to series two of my podcast, Innovation, where we get to hear stories and experiences of some incredible women in science and technology. The conversations on this show will give you insights into some fascinating innovations being done by a diverse range of women. Their work has an impact on all of our lives, whether we realise it or not. So here on Innovation, I'm giving a platform for them to be heard and for us to be inspired and uplifted by their stories and wisdom. This week, I talked to Dr. Natalia Falagan, an agricultural engineer. I'm Natalia Falagan. I'm a lecturer in food science and technology at Cranfield University, and I'm an agricultural engineer by training. Let's go back to the beginning. Like, how did you get into an industry like this? Well, it came when I was basically a child. I'm always been a very curious person, and I really like um, applied things, things that I could do with my hands that had like a, a news. And as I was growing and through going through school, high school, I realized that I really liked having something to do that had an impact on society or maybe helping my friends or my family or something I was doing. And then I realized also that I liked biological systems. So not only purely um, engineering system where you kind of build something and that's it. I really liked also the, the natural environment. So narrowing down the choices I had to do before going to university, I found in, in those thousands of options that there are that agricultural engineering kind of put together those disciplines that I really liked. So the natural environment with crops, uh, animal production, um, the use of resources, and all that together with engineering. So developing technology, innovative solutions to, to preserve and enhance all those natural resources that we have and that are so limited. So that's how I started in engineering, going through agricultural engineering school at university. And then I specialized in, in food systems because I think one of the challenges we are facing at the moment that is key is the reduction of food loss and waste across the globe. And agricultural engineering in particular has a key role to play here because again, it puts together the understanding of this biology, but also the development of, of technology to, to sort out these kind of challenges. So, so that's where I'm working at the moment. It's so incredible because I talk to female engineers and they have this underlying ambition to help people. And it really is so beautiful because it makes me realize that, you know, engineering isn't just about massive structures and building and that stereotypical idea of engineering. Um, it really is about improving people's lives. Um, so in order to get into ag agricultural engineering, like how, what were the steps to get there? So first of all, um, I had mentors around who kind of inspired me to choose this career. So I think that would be my first step in my life that would be the the key point where i realized i wanted to take this or not choosing medicine or, or something else that are also very important and interesting fields i had around i grew around a lot of engineers 
and and I, and I found the beauty of finding these solutions as a key point that I would like to develop my career. So the f- that would be my first step, like being surrounded by these engineers that inspired me. Then going into the university, into university and studying all these systems was absolutely amazing. That's something I would encourage everyone who had the opportunity to kind of engage with academia because it's a beautiful path to learn every day something new. And then it was when I, I started to work actually as a freelance engineer, um, building pack houses and cheese factories, actually. And that had a, a very pure applied um, outcome that was actually, you could see your building there, that it was in use, and that was great. But there was something missing there that I wasn't really doing something novel because I was just, at that moment, I was just building or extending factories. And I thought that my place was back in academia where I could put together research and biology and engineering in the same place to kind of tackle other other challenges and hopefully have a, a bigger impact in in society so so yeah i think the three key points in my career was yeah being surrounded by engineers that inspire me then uh, deep diving into pure engineering and realizing that i wanted something else and then jumping back into academia where i can actually develop um, those two fields that to me are are very very interesting so what were the stepping stones to actually get to where you are today? Like, did you have to do um, A-levels in science? We Did you have to be particularly good at biology and maths? So my career has has been um, kind of interesting, at, at least I, I see it that way, because I've been in very different countries, working in very different countries. So yes, I, I started in Spain. I'm from Spain. So I did my A-levels in Spain. You uh, don't need like a super high mark to get into engineering, because normally the universities are, are very big. So I moved from my hometown to Valencia, that is in the coast of Spain, to study agricultural engineer engineering and that's a five years degree in Spain so you really have like a very strong background uh, in terms of engineering biology chemistry um, constructions uh, water management so it was a, a, a long and very interesting uh, period of my life and yeah well you have to work hard I'm not gonna lie to you it's not uh, very straightforward because it's time consumer. It requires effort, but if you want it, is it, it was amazing. I remember it like a like a very very um, amazing part of my of my life. And then after that, I did a master's uh, in science by science, and that that was in research for agricultural systems. So that's where I kind of. Uh, went more in depth in terms of innovation for engineering and food systems. And I really liked that career path. So I decided to continue in terms of uh, working towards increasing the quality of the food we eat, looking at nutrition, and that was through irrigation systems too. So I did my PhD on that. 
So my PhD took me to France, United States, and also Spain to, to kind of develop these systems. And that was also amazing. And five years ago, I came to the UK uh, to Cranfield University to, to keep on working from a postdoctoral and now from an academic position in, in food systems from an engineering point of view. So yeah, I would say that is hard uh, sometimes, but I wouldn't change it for anything. I really, really enjoy what I do. I must say, talking to you, I can really see your enthusiasm for what you do. What is most rewarding about your job? <laughs> well, there are uh, quite a few things. Uh, one of them is when I see something that I have developed either on my own or within my team um, in use, that you go to a supermarket and you see one of your solutions applied or you see one of your buildings or your systems in place in a factory or you develop a strategy. I work a lot in post-harvest for fruit and vegetables and you see a strategy that maintains the quality for longer uh, in place that is working, which means that the consumer is getting a much better product, more nutritious, better quality in terms of flavor and taste. And, and that's really, really rewarding. And the second thing I would say as my top two things that are really rewarding is that as a lecturer, I teach to master's students and PhD students and seeing like these new generations of specialists in food systems, getting that enthusiasm and getting their degrees and sharing with, with me uh, their, their career or they found a job in, I don't know, in this amazing company or I don't know, that, that's really, really rewarding seeing how new generations are also inspired by this field and, and they want to make a change. And having contributed to it is, is really nice. Oh, I've got tears in my eyes. <laughs> I can really see that you you care. Um, so awesome. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because engineers aren't really, um, we don't really see that emotional side of an engineer. Oh. <laughs> and when you talk about what you personally get from doing the engineering, it just, it's so emotionally provoking. Um, you know, it's, it's really, it's become such a masculine industry. Um, and when I hear someone like you, I just think, gosh, there is so much room for more um, heart-led projects in engineering. And, you know, you are testament to that because you are bringing this, sorry to say, but feminine energy to the engineering industry, which is so desperately needed. Um, are you acutely aware of this kind of gender imbalance in engineering? Yes. <laughs> um, I have to say I've seen it changing and it's not the same as, as what it was years ago. So uh, my father, for example, is an engineer, engineer. There was only one woman in, in his degree, in his year. So that's something I haven't seen. We were many more women uh, than before in my class, but at least we were like around a 30%. I've seen that changing. I think um, we are not a minority anymore. I think we are uh, involved in all of the 
engineers feel, engineering fields that I'm involved in, there's always several women um, leading projects and leading initiatives. So it's just something amazing to see. I still think there is a lot of work to do. I think we have to increase the visibility of women in STEM, not only in engineering, but, um, but I'm positive. I'm, I'm optimistic. I think things are changing. I think our role is getting more prominent and we are demonstrating that we have a role to play and it's key. So in terms of the actual engineering that you do, um, I know that you lecture and, and things like that, but in terms of the actual engineering, like what do you do that is very typical of being an agricultural engineer? Like do you use CAD, you know, those kinds of things? So I started, I started my career designing um, irrigation strategies for very arid areas where there is no rainfall and you need to really make sure that the resources that you're using are like minimal so you make the most of them. So I started with irrigation and water management and now I'm more focusing post harvest management, technology and biology. So I'm looking at uh, fruit and vegetables mostly and how they behave after harvest. So that means that what I do is developing strategies for storage for transport. So that means changes in temperature, gaseous environment, um, manipulating other type of gases that the plants are, are uh, affected by. And I also work on designing packaging. So that means alternatives to plastic, uh, inserts that makes those, that gaseous environment better for the product and things like that. So that's what I'm more focused on at the moment. Oh, gosh, I'm utterly inspired talking to you. I think the reason why you are so inspiring is because not only do you do everything with so much um, evident enthusiasm, but what you do really affects every single one of us. Like you mentioned earlier that it really is rewarding to go into a supermarket and see your technologies being used that you either worked on yourself or with a team. What are actual examples of that? So we work uh, with different uh, food providers and retailers to maintain the, the food for longer in a good, in good quality. So for example, potatoes can be stored up to a year, apples can be stored up to 10 months, something like that. So the way to do that is through our work not only mine, of course, there's pioneers in this. We are just following them. And, and the, being able to have those type of products that are not seasonal in the supermarkets anytime, that's thanks to researchers like me. Or, for example, the packaging, you see a bag of salad or uh, strawberries in, in a package. We are developing technology to have those packages um, uh, improved so they don't get moldy so quickly so some things are already there that you can see them some others we are developing them and they are not in the commercial estate but it's thanks to people who work at post, in post-harvest that you, we can have those type of products in the supermarket and sometimes we take it for granted like having a pineapple in November in the UK in a supermarket that's not normal so those are the type of things I work on. 
Yeah, I mean, actually talking to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, the amount of research that must go into, you know, the fact that I have just, I have actually bought some pineapples today. Um, and I I think they came from Costa Rica, yeah. or Brazil. Um, and the amount of engineering that must go into not just getting them over here, which is, you know, an obvious engineering process, but just maintaining it looking so pristine uh, when it arrives here and it's been on the shelves for a few days. It's so incredible. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really clear that uh, you love what you do and it, it just seems to be so um, personally and professionally rewarding, but what are the challenges that you experience? There surely must be some. Yes. Uh, so when we talk about food and food systems, it's a very multidisciplinary and very multidimensional problem, and it's a global challenge. So it requires the collaboration of multiple uh, fields. It's not only about agricultural engineers. We also need energy experts, refrigeration experts, soil experts, uh, behavior experts like psychologists that are able to understand what the consumer do. So, and it also requires the collaboration between, I think, three sector, sectors that need to, to get together to sort this out, that is government, academia, and industry. So as we have this challenge that is so multidimensional, and also it needs the collaboration of three key big organizations that, that yeah, government, academia, and industry, it makes it so challenging. Every time we kind of try to sort out one little things in the food system, the food supply chain, another problem appears and they are all interconnected. So, so far we, are look, we have been looking at this in a fragmented way where um, post-harvest people would look at the post-harvest, pre-harvest people would look at the uh, before harvest, energy people would look at the energy consumption and energy demand. But now I'm involved in several projects that they are trying to look at this in a holistic way, in a very united way with experts from so many different fields. And yes, it is very challenging, but it's so enriching to be able to hear and collaborate with people from so many uh, fields that I think we are in the right pathway to make a change soon. Do you think the way you shop for your food, you know, when you're going down to a supermarket has changed or, or is normal compared to the way other people shop for groceries? Well, um, in, my, in my case, particular case, yes, I'm more aware of what I'm doing since I work in this field. I know how things work and how much, it, how much effort it takes to get things to the supermarket and the horrible impact that food waste uh, has on environment, society, economy. So um, yes, <laughs> it changes. But I also think that there are so many campaigns at the moment and such a big effort from governments and universities and also industry to raise awareness of the problem that waste, food waste is, that I think uh, the consumer is now changing their, their mind a little bit and thinking twice like am I going to have time to eat this before it expires or where should I uh, store this would it be better in the fridge or no or little things like that that we might think that is just a little silly thing 
that is key. I mean, if every consumer uh, thought twice about how they are going to use that piece of meat or piece of fruit, that would make such a huge change. So I think I think those awareness campaigns that we are trying to promote, I hope they are they are making a change, and not only like people who are in the field working in the field. Um, think twice about what they are buying, but also the general public using. Yeah, I mean, I honestly am someone that just cannot bear to throw away food. And I think it comes from being raised by a mum, always reminding me of the starving children um, in developing countries. Uh, and, you know, so I really try not to waste food. And, you know, it often means I have to eat more just so I'm not throwing it away. But is there anything else we can do as consumers to just be a bit smarter and, and be more appreciative of the engineering that goes into having food? I would suggest to plan the meals, not just try, try not to go to the supermarket very hungry and just buy whatever goes into your eyes. Just plan what you're going to eat in the week, if you do a weekly um, shopping, uh, plan those meals, think about how you can uh, reuse or or make another type of meal with something that is going to expire because sometimes we we just have like a spare thing or if you live on your own, I am aware that sometimes it's difficult to buy things for just one person. So try to think how you could um, sort that out, how you can have another type of meal with the same food. How to store food is really important. Sometimes we store things in the fridge that they don't need to, and that implies a higher energy requirement. And, and also the food doesn't, doesn't last as long because it's not at the right temperature. And yeah, I mean, think about other stuff, like how to use what, cannot be used like maybe compost and stuff like that but yeah I would also suggest that people maybe can grow something in their garden like a little thing so they can have at a very small scale an idea of how much effort it takes to grow a lettuce nothing nothing further so little things like that and and of course trying to transform transfer all this knowledge and this feeling to to the children that at the end of the day they are going to inherit this this planet what are the most exciting innovations in agricultural engineering right now that's a very difficult question we have like for example are we going into a sort of like an ai driven yeah you know Something that fascinates me uh, is not my field, but really fascinates me is remote sensing. So remote sensors, what they do is monitoring the earth from satellite image and drones. And they are able to kind of monitor how the land changes and kind of predict how they can can use it, can you, we can use the land properly uh, in a different way through this prediction and these observations from from yeah, from the from satellites that I found that very, very interesting and gives us like a scale that we cannot do just by walking through the fields because <laughs> they cover such big uh, areas. Then uh, something that I really am really interested in also is urban agriculture. So how we can use green spaces in cities or transform spaces in cities into green spaces and maybe bring 
that agriculture in, back into contact with the consumers so they can they can see how things because I, I think there is a disconnection between the consumer and, and how we grow uh, food. So urban agriculture, like with vertical farming, uh, is also really interesting in how we can optimize those systems that at the moment are not are not very well optimized in, in terms of of um, of energy consumption. And I don't know, also I, I, in terms of innovation, also how collaborations between developed countries and developing countries can make a difference, how we can bring uh, the cutting edge technology that, for example, the UK is developing to countries that don't have access to that. That's also amazing. So it's not, it, I couldn't pick one was the most uh, innovative thing, but carbon capture, I find it amazing too. So I don't know, I couldn't choose one. <laughs> so if the audience listening to you have been caught by the agricultural engineering bug just by sort of being infected with your enthusiasm what kind of tips would you give anyone kind of thinking actually maybe that's a career for me like what are there any specific subjects they need to take you know what what would your advice be my first advice would be uh, be curious about your environment, what you have around. Just don't take for granted that you have food in the supermarket. Just think about when, where those things are coming from. And uh, if that kind of wakes up something inside you, then you have to study. <laughs> and I would, go, I would go for having a, a strong background in, in physics and maths. Uh, biology and also chemistry but don't think it's all gonna be about uh, sitting down in your desk and uh, writing down formulas and stuff like that because that's the beauty of agricultural engineer that has this beautiful balance between that that is really important and interesting and also going outside and get your hands dirty with soil and the nature and yeah and then seeing how your work transform into something that the society can have um, a, a benefit from you know at the end of the day we are a growing population that we need to feed in a sustainable way and agricultural engineers are, are the ones who have to play a strong role there so yeah look at look around think where things come from and if you want to make a change this is your this is your career path Oh, you know, that's just so awesome. It feels so accessible to get into. And I think there has been a myth for a long time that engineers have to be really good at maths and really good at uh, physics and, and, and subjects that tend to be quite intimidating and subjects that girls don't tend to take, sadly. Um, but it's not always about going down an academic route. Um, do you work with people that haven't necessarily done um, a lot of education, you know, academic research? Yes, yes, we do. We do. I think is, as I said, it's a very multidisciplinary area. So when I work with companies, they don't really need to have like a like a degree or anything. I'm talking about academia and studying the, the degree of agricultural engineering just because I find amazing learning something every day. But there are other ways to learn 
like going to an apprenticeship or getting into a company and getting hands-on or something that you like, at the end of the day, when you find a person that is motivated and really likes what they do, they are really good at their jobs. And you can really tell uh, very easily if they if they like what they do and if they are good or bad. And you never really wonder if they had like a, an university degree or not. You can just tell that they are motivated and enthusiastic about what they do. And if you put your heart into what you're doing, then the result is going to be good for sure. So it just seems like a wonderful career for you. Um, how has it been sort of as a woman? Because, you know, there are certain things we can't avoid, like the fact that, you know, we um, have the ability to become mothers. Um, and, you know, there are many different aspects of being a woman, um, which I think the stereotype believes um, or the stereotype would suggest isn't compatible with being female. How have you juggled being a woman in, um, you know, a man's industry, essentially? Uh, I think I have been very lucky and I've been always surrounded by very brilliant people who didn't really look at that. But it is also true that I try not to think about it very much. I've been in meetings where it's been full of men and I had to kind of insist and raise my, not raise, not shout, but kind of make my, my voice heard to, and insist to, to be taken into account. I've never been sure if that's because I was young or because I was a woman or a combination of both. There are definitely still burdens, as you said, like maternity and, and other, other type of stuff that I don't think um, that really takes a toll, I guess, in, a, in the career path. Because if in academia, for example, or, or in any other way, if you stop for four or five months, probably it really impacts on, on your career. And that's something we need to think about. So far, I can say I've been very, very lucky. And, and yeah, and I try not to think about it too much because I don't want to feel <laughs> bad or underestimated about being a woman because I don't think, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be as good as men in any field of engineering that we work on. So I try not to think about that. And when I've been in the situation where I haven't been listened to or whatever, I just insisted and insisted and if it wasn't the right forum then I would change forum and there's still a lot of work to do uh, but I also would like um, now that we are here to thank all the previous women in engineering that kind of have opened this pathway for, for us because I'm lucky and some people like me are lucky thanks to them and also because we live in a society that allows us to to work in this field with freedom so so yeah there's a lot of work to do mostly in, in developing countries and never forget all the women before us that have been a have made this possible for for the new generations yeah i mean that's certainly true and you know also considering the fact that the situation is really improving for women 
Um, and I really get a sense from you that you're just very assertive because uh, and that that shows not just a strength of character, but also just a real self-belief in what you're doing. Um, and I think that also kind of runs in parallel with loving what you do. Um, but in terms of like planning, it is tricky at the moment for women and this is probably what has to change um that women want to do what they enjoy as you're doing um but then you know there comes a time where you have to figure out how and where you fit motherhood in if that's something you want and so whilst it's really great to not think about it it seems to be also something that should be planned ahead otherwise it can get too late so it's just um do you have any sort of like can you share any sort of i guess um perspectives on how to sort of navigate wanting to have a career and apply yourself as a woman in a world where i guess trying to have it all isn't so easy no it's not easy at all <laughs> um well i'm talking about my own experience i'm 34 years old and i haven't found and i don't see a moment where i say oh this is a perfect moment to stop my career and and have children or dedicate my time into other things it doesn't need really need to be children it could be anything else um i work a lot i work long hours and i wear weekends i'm not sure if that's because i'm a woman and i need to kind of prove myself harder than men i don't know as i said i try not to think about those things to not be bitter but it is a reality that um that i don't see how you can do it. I see my colleagues doing it. <laughs> so that kind of uh, makes yourself being a little bit more optimistic. But yeah, but I don't see, I cannot really give an advice on that because I'm not a mother yet. And I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be. Um, but yeah, but if, if I am, if I get pregnant and have a baby, I will have to, ha to stop my career for a bit. And I guess it's not the end of the world. Sometimes we kind of feel that we have to not stop. We cannot take holidays. We cannot because they might think, oh, you know, you know, she's weak or she's a woman or something like that. But I don't think it's the end of the world. I think we have to take it naturally and and try to go forward as things come because yeah i love my job and it's important to love what you you do because it's a lot a long time that you spend in in the day doing that but it's not the only thing so family is important i think traveling is important friends are important and um even though i haven't found the right balance yet and think <laughs> I will, I'm on the pathway to, to kind of find that balance and trying to think that stopping your career for, I don't know how many months or a year is not the end of the world. But yeah, uh, to do that, I guess you have to have a situation in your, in your job or your career that is kind of settled. 
and you can kind of feel safe that you can go and come back and your reputation is, hasn't been damaged. So that takes time. So yeah, sometimes, as you said before, you can find yourself in a situation when you are in your mid forties or something and suddenly you said, oh, where has I gone? <laughs> what has happened because time flies? So yeah, it's a, it's a difficult question to answer because I, I don't really have the answer to that. Yeah, I mean, what I get a sense of is that you are very focused on reaching your goals and realizing your personal dreams. And I think that is more important than sort of ticking boxes of like, okay, I need to do this by then. And, you know, I think... Um, on uh, on other episodes of my podcast, I've had guests that really own their choices. Um, and I get a sense from you that you really own your choices. So if you're not, you know, if you haven't become a mother yet, it's because you've made that choice. You know, I think, I think in the past, women have not really felt like they had a choice. But I don't get that sense from you that you've never had a choice about your life so that's reassuring you know the fact that you work with people that are balancing a lot of things kind of is really encouraging because you know for example I didn't have any females um, when I was in engineering and so I didn't see it um being achieved you know having it all um and so it just seemed like an impossible goal but I don't get that sense from you and that to me that's a real indication of how much times have changed where you are seeing women um trying to juggle lots of different things as well as have their career and so uh, you know overall it just feels like um women are sort of more in control of their own lives today Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, yes, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, kind of last couple of questions would be, you know, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? <laughs> she knew. <laughs> no. um, Pretty massive question. I know. Yeah, no, no. I think, to think about I, it. Think, I think uh, I would say not, not be as scared of anything, uh, like worldwide, uh, in terms of work. Don't be scared, don't be intimidated. So if something comes to your desk that you find interesting, the first thing I used to think is like, oh my God, am I gonna be able to do this? You know, you're starting your career, you kind of sell doubt sometimes like, why are they asking me to do this? I'm, I'm new or I have no idea or, it's not true, it's not true. If you are an engineer, you have a very strong background. And yeah, sometimes you struggle, but the only way to kind of progress and achieve goals is not being scared. And I have applied that, um, that, 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 that piece of advice. Just go for it, believe in yourself. It sounds a little bit like cheesy, believe in yourself, but it's been really being not being scared. Like you sort it out, you will sort it out. You have the tools. You're an engineer, you have the tools, continue, just do it, just try it. And, and I think that's, that's the thing that has helped me move through 
all the stages of my career, just not being intimidated by any challenge, just go for it. Well, you know, Natalia, talking to you has just been so uplifting. Uh, even if I hadn't listened to you, I think just seeing your eyes light up when you talk about what it is you do in engineering is enough to really inspire people to consider that as a career for themselves. Thank you so much for your passion for what you do and thank you for what what you are doing um, to impact all of our lives. I mean, I don't think the next time I'm in a supermarket, I'm going to see things the same way thanks to this conversation. And um Yeah, it's just been amazing to meet you. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you also for all your work, giving us visibility and exposing the work of women in, in engineer. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. And please do subscribe to this podcast and maybe even rate and review it if you can. The more ratings and reviews and the more interest from those trusty algorithms, which could help to increase the reach of this show. And you can watch the video recording of this conversation on YouTube on my new series called Esteemed. It's all about self-discovery and self-evolution on innovation. So as always, be kind and loving to yourselves. And I wish you all a great week.